You're listening to Two Brain Radio. We make gyms profitable, getting you on track to making every day your perfect day. Every week, we'll deliver top-shelf business tactics to help improve your gym, advance your fitness career, and move you closer to wealth. Get ready to start building your bigger and better business with your coach, best-selling fitness author of Two Brain Business, Grow Your Gym, and Help First, Chris Cooper. The Two Brain Summit will be June 2nd and 3rd in Chicago, Illinois this year. We've got two tracks. We've got the owner's track, which is dedicated to helping box owners pursue profit and perfect day. And we'll be having a big variety of speakers, including senior Two Brain mentors, Jay Williams, myself, Danielle Brown, who's on this episode, Brian Alexander, and more. The other track is for your coaches. And so if you're an owner, you can register your coaches. And our theme on the coaches side this year is how to make a career in fitness. So we're going to take your coaches, we're going to show them how to generate more revenue for themselves, and of course, you as the owner will benefit too. More importantly, we're going to teach them how to stay in the field forever so that you can maintain a positive, healthy, long-term staff member. All the details are in the show notes for this episode. Hope to see you in Chicago. This episode features two long-term Two Brain mentors, Danielle Brown and Anastasia Bennett. Danielle was one of the very first mentors that I hired when I founded Two Brain back in 2016. She's the former owner of CrossFit 781 with her husband, Jason Brown, whose name you might also know. Anastasia Bennett has an incredible story, uh, starting with birth in the Soviet Union and then migration to New Zealand where she didn't speak the language, washing dishes, starting from the ground floor, eventually opening two boxes and then helping others as a mentor at Two Brain. In this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the specific challenges that every box owner faces, but we're also going to dive deep on challenges that females face in our industry as coaches, as leaders, as mentors. Ironically, their authority as mentors has never been questioned, but their authority as coaches sometimes has been in their group classes. And so both women are going to talk about that. You're going to love this show, whether you're a male or a female, because the insight from you know decades of experience is not to be missed. So here are Danny Brown and Anastasia Bennett. Both are mentors at Two Brain Business. Welcome, ladies. Hey, Coop. Hi. Let's start with your stories. Uh, Danny, you've been on the podcast before. A lot of people love that episode. But I'd love to hear the, the new story of Danielle. Uh, you sold the gym. You're a full-time mentor with Two Brain. What else is happening in your life? Yeah, um, Jason and I sold CrossFit 781 in November of 2016, and that was a huge decision, and, and actually a pretty fast decision, but a huge one um, nonetheless. And I remember calling you saying, is there room on the team for a full-timer? And he said, more than enough, so you know, bring it on. So um, yeah, we sold the gym, and I went from just doing a handful of mentoring calls a week to doing 20, 25 calls a week, and really just kind of like diving in headfirst. And I'm sure Anastasia shares my sentiment that I was really nervous at the beginning and just thought, like, there's no way that I have enough you know, knowledge or expertise, and I'm not good enough for this. But I quickly realized that 
we, regardless if you're sitting in the mentor or the mentee seat, that we all kind of share the same battles. And I was able to contribute a lot to our mentoring clients. So that's what I've been doing. And, you know, I've been doing it since September of 2016. So I've done about 650 mentoring calls at this point. Um, I'm on a little bit of a hiatus right now. I'm on maternity leave. I just had my second baby. So um, I'm really excited. I'm scratching to get back to calls as soon as Coop will let me. (laughs) But yeah, so that's, that's what I'm doing full time now. Awesome. Anastasia, tell us your whole story. Start with Russia. (laughs) so um, I was born in Russia (laughs) and I moved to New Zealand with my parents when I was 19 really didn't want to move because I thought I had all my life sorted back in Russia I was at uni I had a full-time job I had a life and everything so couldn't speak any English whatsoever came to New Zealand by a little trick that my parents played on me said, come over for three months, learn some English, open your visa, and then go home. So that's what I did. But they told me if I want to go back home, I need to find a job, buy a ticket, and then go home. So (laughs) I did buy a ticket, but it took me a year. (laughs) And when I got my ticket, my dad said, cool, I'm going to give you money for a return ticket. And yeah, I was back to New Zealand after three months being back in Russia. Things have changed. Um, I had to learn how to speak English from scratch. My first job in New Zealand was um, washing dishes in the kitchen. Um, After being a manager at a huge restaurant in Moscow, doing dishes was a bit different. Yeah. (laughs) But you got to start from the scratch. You're going to, you know, earn your place wherever you can, whichever way that you can. And I guess um, being an immigrant and being female as well and not speaking English was a bit hard trying to prove yourself and get where you are, you know, like there's lots of different things that you have to show that you can do, that you can do better than others. Now I own two CrossFit gyms in same area. So we're pretty much 15 minutes walk from one to another. We never had issues about being so close. We have completely different clientele, different structures, not structures, but different coaching team, different atmosphere. Everything's different. So, but having two CrossFit gyms right next to each other does not affect how much money you can make or how successful you can be. In, I think, start of 2017, I felt like I needed another challenge and Chris thought it would be a great idea to learn how to mentor others (laughs) and show them that that everything is possible as long as you work hard, you put your mind to it, and, yeah, just keep doing it. Well, tell us what you're doing. I'm a mom. I've got nearly three-year-old. My husband is shift worker, so times are challenging. Um, I do feel sometimes that I'm a single mom. Because, you know, you're by yourself in the evenings, you still have to run your gym, you have to take classes, recruit new members, you have to look after your toddler and kids get sick all the time. And yeah, there's lots of planning, lots of communication with everyone, your staff, your admin, your husband. But yeah, you can make it work. It's possible. Okay. So ladies, you know, one of the things that I've always believed and HQ has never been able to show me data on this is that CrossFit is kind of an equal opportunity entrepreneur maker that uh, a higher proportion of women own CrossFit boxes than almost any other small business, you know, maybe with the exception of like a spa. 
Why do you think that is? You know, what is it about the CrossFit model that attracts such a high proportion of female owners? I have to say, I think it, it's come, it stems from the beginnings of CrossFit. You know, we still have some benchmarks in there that will we'll still have the same weight for men and women, right? So like from the get-go, CrossFit, I think as a whole, has always looked at men and women as equals. And I think that just, just as easy to take that step from, you know, from uh, CrossFit um, to just being a CrossFit athlete rather to a CrossFit coach is kind of the same thing. When you go from coach to business owner, I think we all kind of feel like it's, it's a level playing field. That's interesting. Anastasia. Um, yeah, I feel it's equal, but I also think it's because CrossFit is really community orientated and really family orientated as well. And we kind of all know that in family, there's mom and dad and, People are more, I guess, more accepting of female being a business owner because she has this mother figure looking after community. Mm, very interesting. And and that's funny because that's what my members call me, a mum. <laughs> Even though I'm still young, I'm younger than most of our members, I'm a mum. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad most of my members don't call me dad. Um, <laughs> but... So let's talk about coaching because both of you mentioned that the progression from athlete to coach seems easy in CrossFit, but as a woman, have either of you run into a problem, maybe coaching a man and not really, you know, maybe they're not giving you the respect that you sh they should or, you know, anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I think um, it was a little bit easier for me because I, there was never a point where I was running my gym without my husband. So, you know, I don't have the opportunity to look at that, you know, from the perspective of, say, a lot of other CrossFit gym owners that are just themselves, solo women that are running the business day to day. But, you know, when I look on some of the female only gym owners, Facebook groups, that comes up a lot. Like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to coach these male athletes. And I think that's, you know, that's really the one place that I do see tension between, you know, males and females. But I think outside of that, like, I think me and Anna have actually talked about this on calls before, like, it takes a certain female to run a business, you know, I think that you can't really assume the like I'm dainty and I'm, you know, I'm so agreeable that I'm going to please everyone. Like you have to know exactly who you are. You have to know where you're taking your business and be able to just say, Hey, you know, this is how I coach, or this is what I'm wanting to do. Um, I'm just trying to make you better. And if you don't agree with it, there's another gym down the street and I'll happily recommend you to them, but this is not the place where you I think you really have to be comfortable uh, being able to say that to someone. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same. Um, I think I was lucky that I started business with my husband, so we were coaching together. And if there were any issues with males, but it, it could be with females as well. Some females just don't want don't don't want to listen, or they don't respect your opinion. It doesn't matter if it's male or female. I think over five years, I only came across one male that just wouldn't take my cues, wouldn't take my help. It took a couple of years, but saying that he's still here. Wow. You know, he's still a member <laughs> and we have a good relationship now, but it did take a while. How did he come around to listening to you and accepting your authority, Anna? I would just stay there and keep telling him until he listened. Okay. Persistence. Okay. <laughs> 
I think um, it's funny because you just asked that question, Coop, and it made me think back. Like, I really, I've never had an instance where I had a male that, like, wouldn't listen to me, at least to my face, Hmm. which I think is really interesting. But then again, like... I'm a lot, I was a lot more of a bulldog, I think, in, in my gym than I am as a business mentor. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll just shut them down with science. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think, I, I think it does, it takes a strong female to, to stand up to that. But I think Anastasia made a great point. It's not just men. It's definitely the women too. Yeah. And so I want to, I want to go deeper because I think both of you have mentioned to me individually at one point or another, you know, you find it easy to make male friends right? But sometimes women in a position of authority struggle to make female friends. Am I off base here? No, I think you're correct. I, I, to be honest, struggle to make female friends unless they, not that they have same personality, but the same, have same drive, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I I don't know how to explain, but I do find it's easy to communicate with guys and up to today at one of my gyms we had only guys who are coaches my stuff and I currently just start hiring females as coaches and actually do an amazing job mm-hmm. um, but I think it's yeah I don't know Danny what do you think I think for the entire time we owned our gym we had maybe two female coaches and one of them me and her it was like it was it sounds silly now, but it was like two alpha dogs in the gym and it was really difficult for either one of us to work together. She was a former gym owner too. So I know that, that added to it, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I agree. Okay. So maybe let's talk about staff then too. I mean, it, it is possible even as a, a man to have trouble like addressing problems with another man in the gym, because there is kind of like that, that uh, hierarchy, right? Do you find it easier to address women or to address men who are working for you? Yes. (laughs) I feel like the conversations always went easier uh, with the women in my gym. Um, And conversations, I was was pretty much always met, um, you know, having difficult confrontations with male coaches, like had to fire a couple male coaches, you know, have to tell them like, "You, you haven't been doing this for the last few weeks. I feel like that always resulted in some sort of tension. It was never really an easy conversation where more often than not, it was an easy conversation. Like, oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't know I was doing that. I'll fix it uh, with female uh, staff. Yeah. Um, I found opposite. Um, I found it's easier to confront or talk to a male coach than a female. When I talk to females, maybe because I'm strong personality, I have to think twice before I say things that so I don't hurt their feelings. But I found with guys, I can be a little bit more straight up front, just tell them how it is. And they seem to take it and just go with it. I don't know. There's, maybe it's just the stuff that I had. Do you think that's fair, though? I mean, I spoke to a detective inspector in the police force yesterday, and, you know, I, I was complimenting her, and, and she was like, ha, Cooper, I knew you were a feminist deep down. And I, I wasn't complimenting her because she was a woman achieving this thing. I was complimenting her because she was a person achieving this thing. And so I was kind of like, wow, you know, I, I really blew that. You know, how sensitive do you have to be when you're dealing with other women versus dealing with other men? Is there a difference? I guess I never put too much thought into it. I think the way that I look at it is very similar to like being a CrossFit coach and learning like what, what athletes respond to, um, you know, different ways of being coached. I think it's the same thing. I, I don't think it's really a male or female thing. And especially now after hearing Anastasia had an opposite 
you know, uh, situation than I did. I, I think it's just learning who the person is. I think it's just, you know, having, um, having empathy and, and learning what types of people and, and what they respond to. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Let, let's talk family for a minute. I mean, you've both been very successful in your business. Uh, Danny has transitioned out. Now you're a very successful mentor. Anastasia, you're rapidly growing in popularity in Two Brain. Um, but you have to balance childcare. You have to balance home life. I doubt that either of you gets the leeway that I get to spend 18 hours a day writing or whatever, you know, so let's start talking about that. Is there a disparity in the expectation of, you know, female entrepreneurs and male entrepreneurs when it comes to what happens at home? I remember reading an article a couple of years ago and it was before I was a parent and it, it always stuck with me. It was, um, I don't even know what it was, what it, the article was about, but referred to mom as like the default parent right mom's like the more nurturing one so like Anastasia said earlier if your kid gets sick it's usually not dad calling out of work it's usually mom like mom has the inclination to lay on the couch with their sick baby all day until they're better and I think you know that's definitely been the toughest part for me is as a mentor you know everything is scheduled I've got a call at 12 1 2 3 and 4 so if my kid is sick you know that puts a lot of stress on I know I've got to fit those calls in for the rest of the week that everything else is is scheduled like that's definitely harder and I think I think any woman that has children you know it's running a business uh, will will face that you know so I, I think I can't say dads get out of it easier there's a lot of other responsibilities that Jason you know takes on that I don't so I can't say it's it's you know, one's worse than the other, but I think mom definitely takes on you know, the, the brunt of it. Would you agree, Anastasia? Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess I'm lucky that my husband works shift work because then if he's at home, he's at home all day and he can spend time with our daughter. But if he's at work and I've got full day, then it's us. But we, um, we made decision to go and hire Opia Eleven nanny that lives with us. Um, we get them from Germany, <laughs> and she works forty hours, and it's always different hours every time. And if I need to um, come home, I will come home. But most of the time, she will take care of you know if our daughter is sick or if she needs to take her to candy or dance classes or anything. And I know you know some some females can judge me or even males but I found that I'm a better mom if I spend quality time with my daughter so that means you know if I've done all my work I've done everything else I need to do and when I come home all I need to do with her is just play and do learning and just enjoy our time together rather than me doing dishes and cleaning and cooking and do all other things that my au pair does right now. So this way I managed to balance work and family and, you know, have a quality time rather than just doing house chores nonstop. Can you guys see my face turning green with jealousy over here? <laughs> I might need a phone number, Anna. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to ask you for some tips on, on how you manage that because, um, you know, uh, Robin has been home with our kids since Avery was one, thank goodness, because that gave me the freedom to work as hard as I wanted to. Uh, but, you know, Danny, you, you raised the phrase default parent, and I think that's true. What happens with a female entrepreneur when they get home at seven o'clock and it's bedtime? They take over. I, I feel like, you know, how do you manage that? 
I think communication is key. I know, you know, I, I'm only six weeks out from having my second baby and man, like it's been a massive, massive change. You know, I think Jason and I are both like, you know, we're afraid at, at our edges right now trying to figure out um, how to balance all of this because yeah. he works from home and we have an office and, um, you know, you can hear the kids. Unfortunately, we, we didn't anticipate that moving into the, our, our new house, but yeah, I think communication is key. Like we've had to sit down several times and say like, how, how does this look now while I'm on maternity leave? And then also what's it going to look like when I go back to work? You know, lucky for me, I have an office that's away, you know, from the house that I do my mentoring calls from, thank God. But I think that you, it's just a lot of communication, scheduling, and, and just kind of knowing what your backup plan is, you know, when, when stuff hits the fan. Anastasia, how do you balance it? What are some other things, you know, besides importing a, a German citizen? <laughs> not importing <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I do lots of planning scheduling everything so if you look at my calendar um, it's color coordinated there's certain colors for work certain colors for my daughter different color for my husband's shift work um, wow. different color for my au pair and everything breaking down into each hour and I plan in advance I like to plan uh, my au pair week week in advance my work week month in advance and any holidays or any trips or anything for me if my husband or as a family we plan a year in advance so this way I know what's coming what's changes I share my calendar with my admin and my husband so then he can see what's coming and if yeah all those calendars they attach together my personal um, to brain my gems calendars they all work together it's great we live in an amazing time of amazing technology that makes yeah. it so much easier so mm-hmm. just everyone can see what I'm doing where I'm at and yeah it's just yeah. I think scheduling the most yeah. important part Sharing that calendar so, you know, your husband can see the calendar. I mean, I think that's maybe key too, right? At my house, the calendar is on, on the fridge because we're over 40. Um, but you guys, everybody knows where everyone else is. <laughs> well, if I ask my husband to share his calendar, he will struggle to do that. So <laughs> I put everything his in my calendar. So then- <laughs> okay. I mean, I, somewhere there's probably a picture of me holding my laptop in front of the refrigerator and, you know, tapping. but, um, it, you know, one, one big challenge is partitioning time and you're both very good at that. Another is partitioning your attention. I really struggle when I get home. I need this 20 to 30 minute drive to kind of decompress all the stuff from the day. But sometimes I'm still distracted when I'm playing with the kids. I'm still thinking about a a problem that a mentoring client is having. How do you turn that off and partition work time from mom time? I just went through this because right before I went on maternity leave, I was taking on like, I I thought I was going to like go out in a blaze of glory and like pile on all the calls. And it was funny because Jason was working at home all day by himself. And, you know, he'd be like sitting in a corner, like literally in in a silent apartment. And I would come home and I would have been, you know, I I just got done doing like five or six calls. I'm just talking, talking, talking for five, six hours straight. And I would get home and he would be like, you know, trying to engage in conversation. I would be just like mute, like literally watching like the crappiest reality show, just zoned out. He was like, I feel like I have a zombie for a wife. Like, you know, I haven't talked all day and I want to just unload on you. You've been talking all day and you just want to stop talking. So we've got to kind of figure this out. So um, I don't know if I have any sage wisdom. I just probably started like 
making eye contact with him and stuff. <laughs> I got home. But you know, I I had to make I really just had to make a conscious effort to like still talk to him and not about work things. You know, I, I had to shut off the mentoring because I'm the same as you, Chris. Like I, I hear someone that's struggling and I want to solve that problem, you know, that day. So I'm still thinking of it, you know, hours later. But um, I think the key is just shutting that off, engaging in conversation with him that have to do with things, you know, in, in, in our life and not work life. And then, you know, getting down the floor and, and playing with my daughter and, and not thinking about work while I'm doing it, just being present. Yeah, I struggle. I struggle to switch off. I still find myself checking my phone every five seconds because something or someone can message or text or call. Um, the best way I found is to put my phone in charger, which is in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. So then I can't check it every five seconds. Um, I think that was the best thing to do. And me and my husband are quite understanding of dealing with people all day long because that's what he does for his job as well and when he comes home I don't would say hi give a kiss to each other and then we kind of don't talk for about half an hour just to settle back into the home atmosphere and then we start talking and you know do things together or whatever but the, I think first 20 30 minutes like you said Chris you need that time to wind down Sometimes I arrive home and I sit in my car for about 10 minutes mm-hmm. just to you know, kind of uh, transfer myself back into the house life. <laughs> you know, it, it was an old steel worker that told me that. Uh, I think one time early in my gym ownership career, I was complaining about my commute. And we live in this beautiful valley on a farm and I have to drive into the city and I'm going into an industrial area at, you know, 4.30 a.m. and it sucks. And he said, you know, you really need that um, because you have to transition out of work into dad. You know, Danny... How long does it take you to kind of clear your mind and, and get down on the floor and start playing? And uh, It takes me longer than I have. Okay. Yeah, like my office is super close to home, so I don't have much time. So I think, you know, like after Jason said that, that was definitely an eye-opener for me. Like me and him always had a super great relationship. We talk about everything. I love conversating with him. So to re- like to look at that and say, oh, holy crap, we really haven't had much conversation a lot in the past few months. Like that was that was enough for me to say, I, I just got to do what I got to do. I- I've got to make that switch sooner. But, you know, it's funny. Like I think back. It's just like when, um, you know, when I started CrossFit, like I needed that time. (laughs) I needed that time to like drive to class to get into like, I'm going to do something really hard mode. Um, And same thing, you know, I probably still have that. But yeah, I think it's, it just took practice. That's it. Okay. But you were consciously aware that you were practicing that and getting better at it. For sure. Okay. I, I think a lot of people or a lot of entrepreneurs do that. They don't partition, but they're not aware of it. Maybe until their partner says, hey, pay attention to me. Has that ever happened to you, Anastasia? Yes. Yeah. When and why? <laughs> when I get home and I say hi, or sometimes I don't even say hi. I just walk in and go on my phone. Um, yeah, I'm aware of it. And I'm trying really hard to, yeah, to pay attention to actually what's going on in the house and to my partner. And to my daughter, and I have had a few times, and I feel really guilty about it, where I come home, and my daughter wants to play, and she goes, mommy, 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 and I'm still on my phone, yeah. didn't even hear her or saying anything, and then I'm like, oh my god, I feel so guilty now, so bad, like a bad mom, and now I definitely put my phone away first, and then, you know, so I can spend some time with family. So what about alone time in a larger sense? I mean, 
you know, what we do is uh, we, we basically help people carry their burdens, right? And that can be exhausting. Um, how much alone time do you think like a mentor or an entrepreneur needs and what should they do to clear their mind and, and get back to their best? What's alone time? <laughs> I don't remember what that feels like. <laughs> Have either of you tried alone time before? <laughs> it's funny because, like, I ever since I was a kid, I'm an only child, so I've always I grew up with a lot of alone time, and as an adult, I need a lot of alone time. And you know, everyone goes through this. Once you have kids, there really is no alone time. But I think for me. Like one thing I tried to do while I was mentoring is at least like taking myself out for coffee. That's how I always thought of it. Like taking myself out for a cup of coffee and like sitting there, not looking at my phone, but like maybe actually looking around at the coffee shop while I'm sitting there and just decompressing. And um, I think technology is almost like another person that we have to deal with in our lives now. So disconnecting from that, I think is absolutely essential for me because, you know, if not, like you, you never really get back down to, you know, inner you, if you don't purposefully take that time out and actually schedule that. And I think it's too easy when you have kids, if you don't actually schedule that time and make time for yourself, what, whatever is required of the individual, um, it, it's really easy to, to forget about it. Yeah, definitely. So Danny, um, you have daycare, Anastasia, you have a living nanny. Have either of you ever felt like you were being criticized by other people for, for taking that step? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel that I do get judged that I'm not 100% mum and that I should be as a female spending all the time at home with my child, cooking, cleaning and doing all sorts of things like an old school. And it does put a little bit of pressure on you as, you know, business owner, as a female, as a mentor. But I think slowly society is going away from that and getting a bit more understanding and that, yeah. Yeah, that, that's okay. Yeah. I think that I am probably the most judgmental on myself in that area, which has been interesting because I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> but really? I... Yeah, I'm, I was definitely a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, wow, you know, Jason's mom has been here helping us out a lot with the new baby. And I remember one of my friends um, has been like a lifelong nanny and she was like, oh, there's, there's a, a town near us that's, you know, everyone's pretty, pretty well off. And she was like, yeah, everyone in Hingham has a, a night nurse. And I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. You know, she's <laughs> like, yeah, just make fun of them. Like, how can you not take care of your kids at night? And I don't know how I felt about that comment at the time, because I didn't have kids, but like me and Jason were just talking, like my baby is not sleeping at all. And I'm like, you know, maybe we should start looking into a night nanny, someone that's here to like do nighttime feeding so that I can remain sane. So, you know, for me, I'm going to have to cross that bridge. I feel like I'm the most judgmental. I don't feel like there's anyone in my, in my life or, you know, in, in work or anything that would judge me on that. But I would, it's just, I think it's just getting over that stigma that like mom has to do everything. Mom has to be default at everything. So how do you overcome that in your, in your own mind? Like, it sounds like both of you impose a lot of this guilt on yourself, even though I would never think anything about, you know, putting my child in daycare so that I could get some work done or get a damn coffee. You know, so how do you, how do you overcome that yourself? <laughs> I don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> but, but Danny, you've done I it. I've watched you do it. I think it's just saying, you know, okay. I often think it reminds me of like Josh Price's speech uh, at the summit last yeah. year. 
where he's talking about like, what do you think about when you're 80 years old? What do you want to look back? Like, I, you know, I'm no spring chicken. I feel like every year it's like, wow, like, okay. I, I know I'm young, you know, I'm 33, but I'm, I'm, I'm already looking back on my life, right? I'm already looking back at this age saying like, what, what are some, what are things that I'm going to be telling my kids and my grandchildren? Like, what are the cool stories that I already have kind of, you know, built up in my memory book? And in another 20 or 30 years, what do I want to look back on this time and say, I wish I did. And that's the stuff that's like, okay, well, I want to be a kick-ass business mentor. I want to do, I want to have another extension of two brand business. So I want to like help this, you know, thing grow to, to massive heights. And um, maybe I open another business down the road. I, you know, I don't know yet, but I know that, you know, owning a gym wasn't the only thing that you're going to see from Danielle Brown. So I think that that's key. It's, it's knowing like what you want out of life and then saying, Hey, this is going to be, this is what I have to give up. Or th these are the things I have to sacrifice to do that because in the end am I ever gonna you know look back and say man I can't believe I had a night nanny for three months you know no never <laughs> it's all short term how about you Anna yeah I just keep telling myself that I'm a better mom by spending quality time with my daughter even if it's only one or two hours a day that's a quality time you know, it's not because the time you spend while you're cooking her lunch, you're cooking the breakfast, cooking dinner, doing washing, she's, she plays by herself anyway. So you're actually not spending that quality time. You're being a babysitter, not a mother who teaching her kid something, you know, useful or playing together or doing things. So I just, yeah, I just keep saying no, I'm a better mom by spending one to three hours a day max with my child and then quality time, like whole day on the weekend was still do it together but yeah okay so, so i'm gonna flip this on its head now both of you are role models you know in in business right now in the past you've both been role models in fitness is it harder for a woman to um you know coach a class if she's unfit than it is for a man to do the same thing like there are some obese male coaches out there okay i do not see very many overweight female coaches I would say there's less and less um, as time goes on. But like when I started, there was a lot, you know, and there was, there's a, there's a, an open dialogue, I think, amongst like the, the gym owners and just within the community um, of like, hey, is this acceptable? You know, can you be overweight and not know how to do a muscle up or not be able to do a muscle up, but still coach it? Um, yeah, I, I think the answer is hell yeah. But you have to know, you're probably going to be going against, you know, some people giving you some eyebrows. Um, I, I don't know. What do you think, Anna? I always say to my coaches that you don't have to be a best athlete to be a best coach. Mm -hmm. You know, your job is to be a best coach and to get best results from someone else. And if that's what you're good at, rather than taking care of yourself and, you know, being amazing athlete, that's what it is. You know, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, the first impression matters, you know, people look at you and they're going to make decisions how they feel about you just by the way you look, because that's the first impression. Then quality comes to the count as well. You know, are you good at coach? Good coach, or so. I think, I think by personal presentation or mispresentation, it, it just might take longer to prove yourself, maybe. But I don't think it's an issue. Okay, so um, let's let's skip ahead to the business world now. You know, there are. 
I think we've got an amazing team of mentors at Two Brain. Even so, the two of you are in the minority as women. If we look outside Two Brain, there are virtually no female mentors in the fitness business space. And I think that proportion is still tiny in the business mentorship arena. You know, do, do the two of you feel pressure to be like the best mentors on the planet because you're in the minority? Or are you just naturally anyway? Anna's smiling because we I, I totally blew that question. <laughs> no, we, we've talked about this. Anna and I have talked about this. And I think like when she came in, she was like, not all my questions are being answered. Like with, with, we've got like a, just for everyone listening, we have a Slack group that all the mentors are in. And, and a lot of times we say things and no one responds. And that's just the nature of Slack. So Anna was like, what is up with this? Is it me? Is it like, just cause we're the only chicks in here. And I'm like, no, that's just, you know, we just read it and, and go about our day. And, you know, someone will, will reply when they have an answer. But I think it's interesting because I never for one second have felt unequal amongst the mentoring team. And I was so nervous of that. And that's one of the stories I told Anna when I first started is like, I would write something in the Slack group and I'd be like, you know, holding my breath, like, oh my God, what, what is someone going to say? Are they going to validate it or just totally shoot it down? And Coop will usually validate it. Jay will shoot it down. <laughs> I'm joking, but not, not really. Um, but I think, um, you know, as, as time has gone on, like no one's giving me an answer, you know, to, to soften things because I'm a female. They're just treating me just the way they would any other mentor. And I've never felt any inequality. And, and in fact, it's, it's definitely built up my confidence because I was imposing that on myself, which I thought was, that's been an interesting lesson to learn. I was imposing, I'm a female. I might be weaker than these guys. You know, I'm the only female here. So that was totally self-imposed. And, and it makes me wonder how many other women business owners, whether it's in the gym space or otherwise, also do that to themselves, you know, but, but they don't have an amazing team like I do to kind of get them out of that headspace. Anna, do you feel any additional pressure to perform being one of few female role models in, in the business? I think the the only pressure that I have, it doesn't matter that I'm female or even if I was a guy, I just want to do my best. You know, I, I want to be the best. And it doesn't matter if I work in a male environment or coaching males or if I'm mentoring males. It doesn't matter who it is. I just want to do the best and be the best. But yeah, no, I think the being part of to brain team didn't make me feel in any less of a person just because I'm a female. I do sometimes feel, and I tell, tell Danny, I was like, I feel like I'm from another planet. I don't understand <laughs> what they're talking about. They've got their own jokes going on that I'm not part of. But like she said, it's just because, you know, they've been knowing each other for way longer. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's a male, female. I think it's just a, the time that I'm quite new to the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to learn all the battle jokes. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, what about like just in the business community in general? You're walking down the street, someone meets you for the first time, and, and you introduce yourself as a business mentor. Do you think it's you know easy for them to accept that, at, or is it less easy for them if I you know if I was saying it as a man? Have you ever had any perceptions that way? Oh, totally, all the time. Really? But that's just you know that's just my own neuroses I guess um always feeling like you know I'm the dumbest one in the room like I, I've literally had to like get over that because I I just grew when I was younger that's just how I always felt I was so shy 
that it made me feel like I was stupid. Um, but really, it was just painfully shy. I didn't want to like, you know, raise my hand in class. I didn't want to say anything dumb. And that has, you know, it's taken me the still, I'm still not over it. So it's funny, because when I do say that now, I'm a business mentor. Um, I, I always wonder, like, I wonder what people are going to think, like, you know, and I, I think, I think telling your story and like getting people to understand, you know, just telling your story and sharing like, hey, I, I did create like a really successful business that that kicked butt and and someone like Chris Cooper believed in me enough to actually tell some people about my story and like help them through some stuff. So yeah, I still battle with that. I probably will forever. Anna, any, any shyness when it comes to introducing yourself as a business mentor? I can see a little bit of surprise on their face, hmm. but also they go, wow, it's like, it's amazing achievement. Mm-hmm. And you can see their brain thinking. I don't know what they're thinking. I struggle think. I don't think you had. Did I get there? How, is it possible? Is it not? I start judging myself by their reaction. But really, I think they kind of they're proud of you. At the same time, they actually they actually go, "Wow, you got there. That's amazing!" Like, a, and some people go, "I would never be able to do anything like that." Mm-hmm. So they kind of they kind of put you on pedestal. A little bit and at the same time you don't know how to feel about it because you're like should I be doubting myself have I done you know is it is the right thing are they doing and you kind of start judging yourself even more but I think it's a female thing to doubt yourself and judge <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't think women, you don't even need to take the judges course at CrossFit because you're good, you know um <laughs> where I have very little self-awareness at all um okay last last question you both have daughters 18 years from now, do you tell your daughter, open a business? Um, yeah, if, if, if that's what they want. I think more importantly, I want both of my daughters to not know anything different than a strong female. And that no matter what, it doesn't matter that you're, that you're both female. You know, like their dad is going to be a great example of this. I've never met anyone in my entire life that, that fights harder for a goal than my husband ever. He's relentless. He's absolutely relentless with that. And he's the same way with his health. If he gets a, a weird answer from someone, he's going to 10 other doctors. It doesn't matter if it takes him, you know, 18 months, he's going to find the answer that's, that, you know, resonates with him. That's what I want to translate to my daughters is that what you want is directly, you know, or if you get what you want, that's directly correlated to the work that you put into it. So it, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, there's plenty of super talented males that sit on their butt that could be, you know, making themselves, making, uh, making something of themselves and same thing for females. So I think it's, again, it's funny after this conversation, it sounds like a lot of, you know, self-imposed uh, guilt <laughs> that the women put on themselves <laughs> that men might not necessarily put on themselves. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, and I've certainly met overconfident uh, businessmen. It's rare that I meet an overconfident businesswoman. Anastasia, will you tell your daughter to open a business? Um, I'm not going to tell her what to do, but if she wants to open up the business, I'll encourage her. Um, I think it's, it takes special person to run a business and be a business owner. I think she's. I can see those traits in her already. To be honest, I actually I'm currently taking a parenting course, <laughs> how to deal with strong-willed children, <laughs> because my daughter is very strong-willed, and I I am very you know strong personality person. So 
my goal is in the course is how not to break her, how encourage her to stay strong and encourage kind of that sort of attitude, but make, you know, create some sort of discipline at the same time. Because I don't want to just to shut her down and say, I don't want you to be that strong because it's too hard to deal with you right now. I want her to be like this. And I think the best part that my mom did to me as well, um, I know I was very difficult as a child. And one day she told me, I wish your kids are going to be just like you. <laughs> and I turned around and I said, I wish they will be just like me because I like myself. <laughs> and now I've got a child just exactly like me. And I, I want her to be strong. If she wants to open a business, cool. I'll, I'll help her. I'll mentor her. I'll do whatever it takes to make her successful. But I think... The other thing helps is support from your parents. So that's the big thing. Mom told me, I know you'll survive no matter what. I, I don't have to worry about you. No matter what, you will survive. And every time I go through really hard times when something happening, I can hear that voice and I know, okay, I'll wake up tomorrow. I'll get it sorted. It will be fine. You know, mm. next month it will be fine. Next month it wouldn't matter. But that support from your parents, from your family, I think it's the first thing you really learn growing up. And it's, yeah, you've you, you got to have someone who believes in you. It could be your partner. You might not have a family when you're growing up, but when you meet your partner, if they support it, that will drive you to succeed and to be the best you can. I think the other thing is well, I helped my dad as ex-military, but he always had a other job. So while he was ex-military, when he came out of it, he did the building constructions and he was project manager. But at the same time, he had two dairies. So every time he'll come home late at night, he'll be counting money and he'll give me to count money. So I was kind of always involved in his business, trying to help him a little bit. And I think that's made me who I am today, like seeing, you know, what you can do, work hard and succeed and achieve your goals and do whatever you like. You can do whatever you like as long as you put your mind to it. Hmm. Okay. I, I think that's a great note to end on. Um, thank you both for being such powerful mentors to men and women in the fitness industry and helping men and women achieve their goals and, and get their members longer, better lives. Thank you to you both. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thank you.